It's good to see you at church. Welcome. My name's Jim. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're just so glad, like Tim said, we're so glad that you've come to church today. Um, And whatever's going on in your life right now, I believe that God has got good things for you. He wants to speak to you even in these next few moments as we look at the Bible together. And if you're visiting us, like Tim said, we really hope that we can make a connection with you. We're glad that you're here, glad that you found us this morning. And um, we'd love to connect with you through the hosting team or get connected cards in the King's Life magazine. It'll be fantastic. Um, I've got some good news, everyone. Are you ready for some good news? Are you ready for some good news? Winter is over. Spring has begun. I officially declare the flip-flop season to be over. Oh, no, begun, 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 begun. I know it may be February still, but the Bible says that faith is being hope, I'm certain of what we hope for. And so I'm declaring it to be spring. Um, flip-flops are allowed. Do you know, I've, one of my kind of ambitions in life is to see Steve Cornford wear flip-flops. Um, he, he has so far refused. Um, I'm thinking it could be like a fundraising thing. If we as a church agree to raise a certain amount of money for like see Kenya or something, Steve agrees to it. Who would be up for that? I mean, publicly owned there, I'm afraid, Mr. Cornford. Spring is here, hallelujah. Anyway, let me start by asking you a big question. Are you ready for the big question? What is the purpose of your life? Like I said, that's quite a big question. We're going to spend some time thinking about that this morning. Um, In our next meeting, in the 11.30 meeting, um, we've got the privilege of praying with a couple of families who are going to be dedicating babies in our 11.30 meeting. And obviously a big thing of what we're doing in those moments is praying for God's purposes to be fulfilled in their life. We, We want to pray at the beginning of their life for all that God may fulfill in their lives. They're big moments for us as we do that together. And this question of meaning and purpose is one that many, many people ask. Why why am I here? What's the reason for my existence? Is life just a never-ending groundhog day of wake up, eat breakfast, go to work, travel home, have food, watch TV, go to bed, wake up, eat breakfast, see the same people, do the same things? What's the purpose of it all. And maybe this is a question you have asked in your life, or maybe it's a question that you are asking right now. Maybe that's why you've come to church today, because you're looking to try and find some meaning or purpose for what life is all about. Is there more to life than this? If there is, how do we find the answer? I mean, Google can give you the answer to many things. Um, Can Google give you the answer to the purpose and meaning of your life, why you exist I'm sure it will give you some answers. I, I thought I'd try um, Siri on my phone. You know Siri, the little thing that you press? I thought I'd ask Siri, Siri, what's the purpose of life? And Siri's response was just to say, interesting question. So I thought I'd go a bit further than that. I said, come on, Siri, what is the meaning of life? And this is what Siri said to me. This is a true story. Siri, what's the meaning of life? And Siri said, it's nothing Nietzsche couldn't teach you. That's what um, Siri said to me, the philosopher Nietzsche. So there's nothing Nietzsche couldn't teach you, but of course it isn't true because philosophers may make some observations about life and what it means, but can't really uh, help you understand that fundamental question of what am I here for, 
What's my purpose in life? I, I read a book this week that suggested most people in life wrestle with three best, basic questions. Firstly, who am I? Secondly, do I matter? And thirdly, what is my purpose in life? There are some points in life, everyone will ask these questions. Who am I? There's a question about our identity. Am I just my parents' offspring? Am I just a, a, a kind of a construct of DNA and cells? What makes me me? Who am I? A question of identity. Do I matter? Question of significance. Will my life mean anything? Uh, will I have an impact? Do I mean anything to anyone or for anything? Do I have anything to contribute? Do I matter? And the third thing is, what is my purpose? What am I actually here for? Is there a bigger plan that I'm part of? Is there, is there a higher purpose to my life? Or is it just random? With no sense of kind of overarching purpose or plan. What, what's the end goal of my labor and work? And what's it all for? These are big questions. They've kind of intrigued artists and authors and filmmakers and philosophers for centuries. What, what's life actually all about? And I guess they're questions we at times wrestle with too. There was a guy in the Bible, his name was Solomon, and um, he wrestled with similar questions. Solomon kind of had everything that you could ever want, wealth and power and riches and property and profile and fame. He had it all, but he's still wrestling with this fundamental question of what does it all mean? What is it actually all about? And we read some of his thoughts in a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he says this, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. He said, I did everything I wanted. I had everything I wanted. All the riches that you could even ever dream of, everything that my eyes desired, I had but it just felt like I was chasing after the wind. It felt like vapor. Everything seemed meaningless. What's the purpose? I think most of us want to live lives that have some kind of impact. We want to believe our life is going to count for something significant. That's why um, I think movies are so popular that tell the story of like ordinary people who discover their lives are part of something much, much bigger. We love those kind of stories. Whether it's Frodo Baggins in Lord of the Rings, discovering his purpose was to carry the ring to Mount Doom, or whether it's Katniss Everdeen in the Hunger Games, discovering she's going to become the kind of iconic figure in the Rebellion, or other figures. Um, I was going to quote like Star Wars, but I don't really understand Star Wars because I've never really seen it. So, like Luke Skywalker, yeah? Yes, okay, like Luke Skywalker, that's good. We love these stories of individuals who get caught up in a bigger picture because actually part of us wants to get caught up in something pretty bigger than just the day-to-day -day routine or waking up and having the same breakfast and seeing the same people and going to bed at the same time. Is there a greater story that I'm part of? Like I said, maybe you're asking questions like these. They're big, big questions because without knowing for certain kind of the plan for our lives or the purpose in our lives, sometimes life can just feel very random it doesn't make much sense. It can feel like there's not much direction or much purpose to it. And we can kind of feel lost in that. Some people can feel hopeless in that. 
I'm sure you are all aware, as I am, of the absolutely kind of tragic statistics in our nation about suicide at the moment. Someone every two hours in our nation commits suicide. I'm guessing to some degree because they don't know what their life is about or for, have no sense of purpose. It's tragic and it's absolutely devastating. What, what if there was a purpose for your life that could be discovered and known? What if there was a purpose for your life that would make a difference for all of eternity? What if there was a purpose for your life that had been established before the creation of the world by the one who made you? How might life be different if we could discover and live in God's purposes for our lives? Over the last um, couple of months, we've been in this teaching series here at the King's Church, Mid-Sussex, called Brands New. Been looking at how Jesus transforms everything. And today, I want to look at the subject of transformed purpose. How Jesus transforms our reason for living, our purpose, what we are here for. You see, when we become a Christian, even our very reason for living changes. He gives us a new purpose in life. Uh, before we became a Christian, we may have been uncertain what our life was about or what we were here for, or we may have felt life existed for us and what we can get out of it, but in Christ, as Christians, we discover there's a whole new purpose that we have. Your life is not random. Your life is not without purpose. Your life really, really matters, and you can discover it all through knowing the person of Jesus Christ. So let's look at what the Bible says about why we're here what the meaning is of it all. The Bible says that God has a plan for you and your life has significance and purpose and meaning because God has spoken those things into your life. If you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, my kind of key verse for today is Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, the words would appear up on the screen as well. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. Other translations put the word masterpiece in there. The kind of word masterpiece is more accurate kind of translation of that word. We are God's masterpiece. It's like he has fashioned us and he has formed us. He hasn't made any mistake, we are his handiwork and we have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. God has a plan and a purpose for your life and he prepared it for you since before the foundation of the world and we step into that new purpose as we step into a relationship with Jesus. It's just the most staggering thing to try and comprehend I think that the God of all history, we've been worshipping him, declaring how great he is. Jesus, you stand above it all. The God of all ages has thought of you and your life and has prepared things for you to do in your life. He has a plan for you. The God of all history has a plan for your life. You have purpose because God has spoken purpose over you. He has created you to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do before the foundation of the world. Um, We can and we often do try um, to make plans for our lives. Uh, We think through the things we may want to do, the things we may want to achieve. And um, sometimes, many of the times, our plans don't always go as we had hoped and how we had expected. 
Now, God's got a much better plan for you than the one you could come up with for yourself. Um, sometimes we can't even plan a trip to the shops without things going um, wrong on numbers of times, and we try and plan our lives. But the Bible says this in Proverbs 19. It says, God knows best when it comes to making plans. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We can have loads of plans of what we think our life is to be about or what we think we should be doing. We can make plans and ambitions, but actually it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's His purposes that are eternal. Uh, I don't know about you, but in my life, um, I've tended to find, often by my own mistakes, that it's actually better to try and follow God's plan for your life than try and do it all yourself. Um, that actually he does know what he's talking about. He has prepared good things for you, and he has got a plan that is better than the one that you could come up with, and his purposes prevail. Um, it's an interesting thing. One of the things that is causing quite a lot of uncertainty in this generation, in our generation, quite a lot of uncertainty and anxiety, actually, is that um, we have so many choices about what we can do that people are overwhelmed by choice and it causes great anxiety and stress. This is a real thing. Research has been done into this. Because there's so much choice about what we can do, we're not sure what the right thing is to do and it's causing people anxiety. So it can even surface at kind of everyday things like shopping. Um, there's just so much choice, we're not sure what the right thing is to buy. And I, I hate shopping, okay? It's just, I, I just can't stand spending time shopping. Sometimes it's necessary. But one of the reasons I hate it is because, you know, the other day I wanted to buy a new cordless drill. My cordless drill keeps catching on fire and smoke comes out of it. And I thought, it's probably best that I get a new one. But I go online to look for a cordless drill and I'm just like, there's thousands and, and, and I'm like looking at all these options and I don't know which one to do because what if I pick the wrong one and I'm reading the reviews and I'm wasting hours and that's just on the Screwfix online catalogue, which is a glorious thing anyway, Screwfix, I know, but I'm like wasting like hours thinking I just don't know what decision to make and that's like over a cordless drill. Do you know if you wanted to buy a toilet brush off Amazon, it would bring up 50,000 results. For you. You would have your choice of 50,000 toilet brushes from Amazon alone. We're overwhelmed by choice, and sometimes even basic things, we're like, well, I just don't know what to do. It can cause some levels of stress, but beyond the basic things, like of buying toilet brushes, there's been a lot of research into the fact that actually this is causing massive levels of stress and anxiety when it comes to things like career and relationships and um, homes because people are thinking, but what if this isn't the best thing for me? There's a thing you've heard of it, FOMO, fear of missing out, a fear of buying the wrong item, making the wrong choice, being in the wrong place. What if I booked the wrong holiday? What if I went for the wrong job? People call it choice overload. People have less certainty about the choices they're making and then higher kind of expectation that their choices are gonna be wrong so in a career, people will think, well, what if there's a better job out there for me? What if I'm in the wrong place? Rather than just knuckling down and getting on with the job, they're always looking for the next thing, thinking, well, maybe there's a better thing out there for me. And they can't put roots down, they can't settle, they can't find fulfillment, because they're always wondering, but I wonder if there is something better, or even in relationships. Well, well I like her, but 
is she the one? And what happens if the one is out there somewhere? And so I'm not going to actually offer any level of commitment to her because maybe she isn't the one and the one is out there somewhere and I don't want to miss out on the one and so I'm not going to commit to this one and so people don't make decisions and this is a genuine thing. A sense of anxiety caused by choice overload because we don't actually know how to make good plans for our lives. The Bible says that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's got a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He had a purpose before you existed. He had a purpose for your life before your parents existed. He had a purpose for your life before anything existed. He had created it in advance for you. Your life has purpose because God has spoken purpose into it. Jesus was speaking to his followers one day. We read about it in John 15. And he said to them, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. If you are in Christ today, if you are a Christian, it's because Jesus chose you. You did not choose him. He has chosen you. He has appointed you. He has appointed you for purpose. He has appointed you and chosen you to bear fruit in your life. It was his decision. No one forced him to do it. He chose you. Maybe you've had an experience in your life where you felt encouraged because someone chose you. Maybe you went for a job interview and there are many candidates and and you were chosen and you felt, wow, I was chosen. Wow. Maybe you've known the opposite of that. You've gone for a job interview and you weren't chosen. You felt the sense of rejection, feeling gutted that you weren't. These verses say that God, Jesus, has chosen you. He's appointed you to bear fruit. There is a purpose. There is a deliberate design in his choice. He's appointed you that your life will mean something for eternity. Maybe you're here today. You're not a Christian I believe Jesus wants to offer an invitation to you today to know him and to follow him and to receive him and to step into the purposes of God for your life. Because God's got a plan for your life, but they're discovered in who Jesus is. I'll say a little bit more about that later on. He's chosen you. That means in God's great big plan for the universe, you have a part to play, which I think is just the most exciting thing on earth. He's chosen you and appointed you to bear fruit. God has a plan to make things right. Sometimes people speak as if God is unaware that our planet is messed up. Like, where is God? Surely he should be doing something about this mess. Is he aware that things aren't quite going to plan down here? What is God doing about the stuff that we see? Well, the Bible says this is what God is doing about the things that we see. He's appointing ordinary men and women like me and you, transforming us with his love, and then say, right, I've chosen you and appointed you to go and bring my kingdom of joy and peace and justice and righteousness and healing and wholeness to the world in which you live. God's plan is being worked out by choosing people like us to fulfill his kingdom purposes on earth in every sector of society because there's a purpose to our lives. God's called you. God's chosen you. It's why it's so exciting when people like Pete Williamson, is Pete here this morning? 
can't see Pete. Yeah, there you go. Pete knows that God's given him these skills as a mechanic, and he's thinking, I'm not living for myself anymore. Uh, I'm living for the glory of God. So how can I use what God has given me to help others? And so he's using his talents and skills to serve others who can't afford their cars being fixed by blessing them through the cars ministry because he knows his life has a purpose. That's why Pete and Rach go to Kenya three times a year. They know their life has a purpose. God's called them to bring his wholeness and life and healing and restoration. It's why Mike Cooper and the guys in King's Money Advice serve people in debt. So no, my life's got a purpose. It's to bring the healing of God to people. And it's not just church ministries. It's why God calls us to play a role in education or in arts or in sport or in media, in every sector of society, because every sector of society needs the life of God and the kingdom of God to break out. And he says, great, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to choose you and appoint you. I've prepared works for you before you even born so that you could bring the life of God into every sector of culture and society to see the kingdom of heaven rule and reign on earth. Guys, you have a purpose. It's a massive purpose. God calls us to partner with him. That's the first thing. God has a plan for your life. It's a God-given purpose. The second thing I need to say about what this purpose is and how we understand what this plan is, is that we step into our transformed purpose when we understand that in Christ, our life and our purpose for living is no longer about me, but it's about him. My life does not exist for me. It exists for him it's not about you. It's not about us. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment or success. So often when we ask the question, what is my life all, of, is all about? We ask these kind of questions. What do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals? What are my ambitions? What are my dreams? But those questions are all starting with me rather than starting with God. We step into our purpose when we actually start with who God is rather than what we want. Rick Warren, a pastor and author, wrote this. You exist only because God wills that you exist. You are made by God and for God, and until you understand that, life will never make sense. Our life makes sense when we realize we exist for him. Now, there are thousands of self-help books out there that will help you achieve your goals, your ambitions, your success, but that isn't what the Bible says is going to lead you to understand why you're here on planet Earth. What actually helps us understand is to know that we're living for another, not living for ourselves. You can be successful and you can fulfill all your life goals and still actually not know why you're on the planet. I watched the movie Bohemian Rhapsody recently. Anyone seen that? Hand, hands up if you've seen that movie. I thought it was just a fantastic movie. I, I watched it on the plane on the way back from Brazil. And um, if you're not sure what it is, it's a movie about the life of Freddie Mercury and the band Queen. And I thought it was a really excellent um, film, actually. But Freddie Mercury once said this. He said, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. And that is the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving ongoing relationship. You can have all this success. It can appear like you've fulfilled all your life goals, all your ambitions, and still not know why you're on planet Earth. Because actually our existence isn't about fulfilling our ambition. It's about something much bigger than that. It's not just about acquiring power or popularity or wealth or success. You can have all those things and still feel pretty empty. 
Now, the Bible says that the purpose of life is to know God and to live for God. So the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Corinth, and he says this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 to 15, And he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. Those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. He says, Jesus died for everyone. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. So now those who live in Christ don't live for themselves anymore. It's not about you. It's not about us. They live for him. They live for Jesus. It's just a massive countercultural statement in 2019 in the UK that our lives exist for another, not for ourselves. Our lives do not exist for our own personal ambition or gain. They exist for Jesus. We live for him. That is our purpose in life, to glorify him, honor him. The greatest fulfillment in your life will come as you live less for yourself and more for Jesus. That's what the Bible says. The thing is, we think it's the other way around, so we spend our life living for ourselves and wondering why we're not fulfilled. The Bible says, no, no, you need to live for him. So what is this plan then? God has a plan and a purpose for your life that he set in place before the foundation of the world. He's chosen you and appointed you to bear fruit. And this transformed life causes us to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for him who died for us, for Jesus. So what is this plan? Well, my simple summary of what I believe the Bible teaches about God's plan and purpose for your life is this. To love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to become more and more like his son, Jesus. That would be my summary of what I think the Bible teaches about the purpose of our lives, to love God and to live like Jesus. Love God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, and find your fulfillment in him. You see, when we find our fulfillment in God, the other stuff doesn't matter quite as much. (laughs) Ambition and success and with a fame because we're like, oh, no, no, he is my everything. My all in all is found in him and him alone. He's my fulfillment. I don't need to fear missing out because I'm with God. I know him. We were created for a relationship with the living God. The reason we spend our life rushing around trying to discover what our purpose is is because actually we're cut adrift from the one who made us and our purpose is found when we're reunited and reconciled with God because that's what we were made for. We spend our lives running around looking for everything, but the Bible says we were made to know God. It's what we were created for, to know him and to love him. I've quoted this guy before and this quote before when I've preached, but it's so important I want to say it again. One of the earliest church leaders in history, a guy called Augustine, once wrote this. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. We have been made for God. And we will be restless in our lives until we find our rest in God. Because he's called us to know him and to love him and to be known by him. The first thing, the purpose of our life is to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength. And we will be unclear about why we are on planet earth until we find our rest in God. Do you know God? Do you have a relationship with the living God? It's possible for you today to know that. To find your rest in him through Jesus Christ. 
or be spending our life rushing everywhere looking for purpose, but our purpose is to be found in him. So know and love God, and then, this is hugely exciting, live like Jesus. Jesus says, I've chosen you. I've appointed you. He also said this in John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus says, if you believe in him, you will do what he has been doing. In fact, you will do even greater things than he has been doing. For me, that seems like a pretty exciting life of purpose, to live like Jesus lived and to do the things that Jesus did. This is what Jesus said. I've chosen you and appointed you to do what I have done and to even do greater things than I have done. I've appointed you for it. Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He came to lead people into freedom. He says, so I'm appointing you to spend your life to help others discover freedom. To lead people to truth. So let your life be one that leads others to truth. As individuals' lives are transformed by truth and reconciled to God, cities and nations are transformed. So live your life to see cities and nations transformed. Jesus came to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. So why don't you give your life proclaiming freedom for the prisoner? He came to proclaim recovery of sight for the blind and to love those that society had rejected and to heal the sick. So let's live our lives loving those that society had rejected. Let's give ourselves to heal the sick because Jesus said that I'm calling you to do these things and do even greater things than I. He came to confront evil in all of its disguises. So let's confront evil in our world and injustice. He came to confront religious hypocrisy. He came to demonstrate the compassion of God. So let's be compassionate. He came to demonstrate the love of God. So let's love people wholeheartedly. He came to be merciful. So let us be merciful. He came to have meals and parties with those outside of the religious establishment. So why don't we do the things that Jesus did and even greater things than he He came to bring hope to people so we can be hope bringers. He came to be the light of the world, and he says, you are the light of the world. He came to lay down his life for others, so we lay down our lives for others. If this is what Jesus did, and he says, I've appointed you to do the same and even greater things than I. That's a life of purpose. That's a life that has eternal consequences and significance. I've chosen you to continue what I began. So the Bible says you and I are now his ambassadors. We're like his representatives on earth. If people want to know what Jesus is like, ha, have a look at the church. You're my ambassadors now. You're reflecting me. We are his representatives on earth to see the kingdom of heaven established, not just in the church, but in every part of society, to see the rule and reign of Jesus established in education, arts, media, politics, industry, sport, to bring the redemptive power of God and the life of God to every bit of society and culture. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to help us, to lead us, to empower us, and to transform us so we may become more and more like his son Jesus. Love God with all your heart and live a life that honors and follows Jesus. That's a life of purpose. That's a life of destiny that God has spoken over you. You can know God's purpose for your life. Your life has profound meaning, profound place. Profound purpose. Uh, people may ask, I, I heard this, I was listening to a talk this week. Someone said on the talk, 
people come up to me and say, well, how do I know what it is then? Because like Mary, well, she had an angel visit her and tell her what she was going to do. And like Paul, the Apostle Paul, he had like a Damascus Road experience where the risen Lord Jesus appeared to him. I haven't had an experience like that on Isaac's Lane. So how, how do I know what it is for me? It's true, we hear these incredible encounters of people in the Bible who have these amazing encounters with angels and visions and everything else, and that still does happen. People do get supernatural, dramatic calling. But do you know what God's given us? He's given us his word. And this book says this is useful for everything you need to know to live a life of purpose. It's all here. It's all here. And um, what we try and do, we try and work out what our purpose is and run around headlessly trying to work out what it is and we don't refer to the book that God has given us that reveals what his plans and purposes are for our life. It's like, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm a nightmare when it comes to instructions for stuff. If I get a new bit of kit, I never look at the instructions. I just turn it on and hope I make out how it works. And I waste a lot of time and make a lot of mistakes because I haven't actually looked at the creator's manual for that product. Anyone else like that? I know some people are the opposite. The first thing you do is you get the instructions out. I, I don't understand people like you, but um, God bless you nonetheless. I'm like, turn it on. Let's see how this works. The problem is you make mistakes. You end up breaking stuff because you don't know what you're doing. The Bible is like God's given us like everything we need is here. And actually, the Bible says if you're faithful in the small things, he'll trust you with bigger things. I can remember chatting to Edward Berea once. Edward Berea, our friend in Kenya, who um, kind of oversees now a movement of hundreds of churches, has national TV profile, has like um, the government on his phone asking for advice. And someone asked him once, how did you get to that position of like national influence? He said, well, I never started there. I became a Christian. I read in the Bible that it said I should tell other people about Jesus. So that's what I did because that's what I read in the Bible. And then I read in the Bible that actually these disciples were put into churches. So I thought, well, I'll plant a church. And so I began a church. And then I read in the Bible that churches multiplied and planted other churches. So I thought, well, I'll do that. I'll plant other churches. He, he never aimed for this. He was just obedient step by step to what the Bible says. And we step into the fullness and purposes of God as we follow his words. Guys, there is purpose over your life. There is a brand new transformed purpose in Jesus Christ. And it's all in here. It's revealed to us. If you're not sure how to read the Bible, genuine question, you're not sure where to start, there's a great article in King's Life magazine on page 12 and 13 about how to engage with the Bible, where to start, where to read, where to begin. Guys, you have purpose in your life. God has spoken it over you. He has ordained it before the creation of the world to partner with him to see the kingdom of heaven come on earth. That, for me, is an exciting purpose to give my life to. I want us to pray. But before I do, I want us to just, I want to read something over you from this brilliant book that I've been reading by a guy called Alan Scott called Scattered Servants. Actually, why don't we stand together, if you're comfortable with that in this moment. Let's stand. The band may just want to come up. That would be fantastic. This, this book was quoting that verse from Ephesians 2, verse 10, that talks about the fact that we are God's masterpiece. And it says about that verse that he has prepared works in advance for us to do. It says the Bible calls it the good works God prepared in advance for us to do. The works God wrote into our hearts long ago. Just listen to these words as I read them over us. 
for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are engraved by the very hand of God. God's hand reached into your life and inscribed something unique on your soul the moment you were conceived. He wrote his dreams into your core. He inscribed something unique in you that the world had never seen before. And if you knew what he had for your life, you would never be jealous of anyone else. God in heaven has entered your life to make a difference beyond your life. And that difference is meant to spill out everywhere on everything. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You are uniquely wired by God to dream according to his design and unleash his creativity in our communities. But God will not do them without us. They are good works for us to do. Hallelujah. They are good works for us to do. Father, thank you that you don't just save us from our sins and our shame. What a glorious thing that is in and of itself. You rescue us. And then you commission us. You choose and you appoint us. You prepared works for us before the foundation of the world. Lord, I pray for anyone here wrestling to know what life is all about. I pray that today may be the beginning of them stepping in to your purposes for their life. Because I know there are purposes written by you over their life. That's what the word says. I pray for anyone here who does not yet know Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that they may respond to this invitation you are making today to come to know life in all of its fullness through you. Lord, I pray we would be a people, Lord, that live lives not for ourselves, for our ambition and goals, but for Jesus to bring your life to every part of community and culture.